0: My Car Guru, episode 204. Well, hello, folks. This is Lenny Lawson, the Car Guru and the Lego Car Guru. I'm really not that good at it. If I didn't have my granddaughter, she's five, to help me find the pieces, the right pieces, then I would struggle putting these Legos together. But, yes, I am suddenly addicted to Legos. And, you know, I didn't know anything about this until my nephew, uh, his son, Started putting these things together, and and he invited me over to their house. He said, Lane, you got to see what he's putting together." Well, I went down there, and I just was amazed. I mean, some of these Lego cars. Are, well, the the one I have on my desk is a let's see, it's a Ford GT five hundred, and it's got five hundred and forty four pieces. But that's small compared to a lot of them. I've got one ordered for a F one fifty Raptor, and it's got over a thousand pieces. So why would I want to do that? Well. You know, what I I'm trying to find stuff to do with my grandkids that, that they will remember, something we can build. I think when you build something with a child, whether it's, you know, just playing in the dirt with them or or, you know, building a treehouse or putting up a swing set, something, I mean, I I think the more we can engage with them, the better. I was talking to another grandfather, a little bit older than me. He said, "You know, I just we We lived in different areas, and you know I got of course they knew who I was, and they'd give me a hug, and then they'd run off and do something else, but there was just never any real interaction with my grandkids, and I just didn't want to be that way, of course, you know when, with regards to my son and he he passed away, and then his son was two when that happened, so I felt an obligation there to kind of step in for my son and and so you know, it really changed my paradigm. You know what that word is? That's my viewpoint of the world. And it changed the way I looked at things and my responsibility as a, you know, kind of a parent then. And so I'm enjoying it. And I'm enjoying building these Lego sets. I just, uh, we just built a Ford GT, which is a race car. And then we'd build a Ford Bronco. And we're getting ready to tackle this. Y- yes, she does like cars. Thank goodness. You know, if she didn't like cars, you know, what she really likes is helping me find stuff, find pieces, you know, because I, Abby, I can't find it. Where is this? Here it is, pop, pop. And so it's a, you know, something that we can do together. So I would encourage you as a grandparent or even a parent for that matter. I know you're busy, you're working, and you got all kinds of stuff to do. And sometimes your kids can just make more noise and and really get on your nerves. And I know, I mean, my kids got on my nerves too. And it is different when you're a grandparent, isn't it, grandparents? But we need to engage with them. And and I've found that these Lego sets are easy, even for my big fat fingers, that, you know, have some degree of arthritis in them. So anyway, I'm going to keep on building Legos. And speaking of building things, the auto industry, working, I guess, at times, hand-in-hand with the federal government, have been working over the last 50 years to make cars safer. And they kind of reached a point where, you know, actually doing physical things, mechanical things, it, it was about all that uh, they'd gone about as far as they could go. You know, with the advent of analog brakes, it made a huge difference in the safety of vehicles, traction control, dynamic stability control. These were where uh, technology started uh, getting involved. You know, before it was like, well, let's make the bumpers bigger you know, let's put in a collapsible steering column. Let's actually put a pad on the dash instead of just raw metal. What do you think about shoulder harnesses? You know, those kinds of decisions. Well, they kind of ran out of those and they started putting uh, uh, some technology in and, you know, the, the advent of the analog braking system changed the, well, I can't overstate how much it improved the safety of vehicles because it led to several other advances. I mean, just so many different things are driven by those little sensors on the wheels. Those sensors on the wheels tell the computers on the car what's happening at the wheel. You know, if one is spinning faster than the other or slower than the other, if one is locked up and the other is still spinning, you know, and that signals to the computer on the car to, Uh, Release the brake pressure for just a fraction of a second on one wheel, which allows it to get traction. You know, it also puts braking to maybe the left rear wheel to correct a situation where you've gone off the road and the car is getting ready to, you know, to maybe roll over, and it prevents that. So, you know, those types of technological advances have been great. But now it's gone into a whole new level and most of this stuff now is about collision avoidance and also about whether or not the car can actually drive better than you can, you know, with computers. And you just take your hands off the steering wheel. We're not there yet. You know, there are no vehicles on the road right now um, that use any kind of full automation. They're, they're not approved. You're, the driver still has to be attentive. You can't go and take a nap in the back seat. Although I think some Tesla drivers have tried that. Uh, I was following a Tesla Tesla driver one time and pulled up beside him. He was in the fast lane going too slow. And um, he actually had his uh, iPhone up on the dash and watching a movie, you know, while he's going down the road. Do you really trust some engineer in California or or Detroit to drive your car for you? And he's doing it with computer code and relying on the sensors. I don't, and I'm not going to. You know, for some time. But some of the things like, I don't know, lane departure warning, lane keeping assistance, forward collision warning, automatic emergency braking. I've had these work, you know, when I'm backing out of a parking place and, you know, since I'm old now and really can't turn my head as good as I used to. So I use my camera and sometimes you miss some things. There's still blind spots. You got to use a combination of your mirrors and your camera if you want to be thorough so that you don't run over some old lady in a shopping cart. But uh yeah, I've I've had a couple of emergency braking things. I thought I had hit something actually. That's what it feels like, but the car just stopped and, and to prevent me from hitting something. That's great technology. There's one problem. Those types of technologies right now are accounting for about 13% of all new car problems. Uh, the new J.D. Powers 2022 quality and satisfaction study uh, came out Tuesday, and it said that those types of features are causing about 13% of new car problems. Now, you know, if you were to ask me what the main problems are with new cars that, that we see through a, through a domestic new car dealership, which we are, and an import new car dealership, which we are, uh, most of them would be related to uh, the emission control system, like check engine lights coming on, uh, tire pressure warning lights coming on. And you know what Most of the time that a check engine light comes on, it's because the customer doesn't have their gas cap on because that will trigger a check engine light. So if you don't you know turn that that gas cap until it clicks or on a Ford, Uh, Fords don't have gas caps So you just have that you got to make sure that door is closed And that'll trigger a check engine light But but, you know Occasionally we have uh, We have a transmission issue Or a recall issue Very seldom do we have Internal engine problems But we're having a lot of Electronic issues Because there's just so much On the vehicle And like when an infotainment system That used to be called the radio But the infotainment system Kind of goes haywire and um, you know you've got, and those are expensive to repair. But it's not just the, the brands that I represent; it's all of them. All of them are having issues. And these new new technology, a lot of it is is just owner confusion. You know, people says or think that because they have lane centering or steering assistance, that it's a self driving car. It's not. You know, the car is not. Um, these these systems are not perfected. And anything that to me that involves removing your hands from the steering wheel is not good. Now, some of you out there say, "I would love to be able to take a nap, you know, while we're driving to Nashville." and Just let the car do it. Would you do that though? I mean, I just don't trust the the stuff. Cadillac has Super Cruise. Nissan Infinity has Pro Pilot Assist. Tesla has Autopilot. Um, you know, and and as far as if if people have this. And these cars are doing more and more than people are going to do a lot of non-driving related activities, like eating or texting, you know, while their uh, partial automation systems are, are supposed to be working. But the thing is, they're partial. Emphasis on partial. What concerns the In- Insurance Institute of Highway Safety even more is that 53% of super cruise users, 42% of autopilot users. And 12% of the ProPilot and Assist users said that they were comfortable treating their vehicles as fully self-driving when the technology offers no such ability. You think that's the salesperson's fault for just not explaining it to them when they bought it? Have you ever heard of reading the owner's manual when you buy a car? So if your car has any of these high-tech features, make sure that you understand what their limitations are. And get it out there on the road, get out on a four-lane highway or something where there's not a lot of other cars around, and try it out. You know, I got really frustrated with my lane-keeping system because um, it wouldn't allow me to take my hands off the steering wheel at all. I mean, even when I had my hands on the steering wheel, I had to squeeze it. It said, put hands back on steering wheel. And I said, they're on the steering wheel, computer. But it didn't sense it. I don't know, maybe my hands were cold that day. But it is frustrating when the car doesn't uh, you know, doesn't give you any credit because I'm not taking my hands off the steering wheel. I don't know about you, but that's, especially with 13% of the uh, problems that are going on with modern cars today are related to those features. So anyway, we're a long way from getting to automated, complete automated driving, and, and that's fine by me. All right, I'll take my first break and be back here in just a minute. Okay, I'm back. Hey, have you ever been pressured to, to buy something? You know, I, I've never seen more pressure than from a vacuum cleaner salesperson. I remember when, they, when my wife and I first got married, and we let this guy into our house. He was a Kirby guy, and, or maybe he was an Electrolux guy. I don't remember. But, you know, did this amazing presentation and all that stuff, and then we said, "Now nah, we want to think about it. Oh, baby. He unleashed a, a a huge number of closing tools that he had been trained to say, and I ended up, you know, being in the car business, and I was young in the car business. I, you know, I appreciate anybody that's going to go door to door and sell vacuum cleaners. I mean, that's got to be rough. But and you know, he does. He did a beautiful presentation and all that. But sometimes you just have to say, okay, thank you, get out of my house. And uh, you don't want to say that though. I mean, I'm, I guess some people would. I would, you know, if he ju- was just pushing too much, and he kind of did. But, uh, you know, I, he went on his way. Guess what I ended up doing? Buying one. You know, it was a couple days later and got him back in and signed the paperwork. I think I paid for it in six equal installments. Those suckers were expensive. That was a lot of money for somebody making 18000 a year, and that's what I was making back then. So, you know... <sighs> You know, you're going to feel pressure sometimes. Uh, sometimes it's self-imposed. You know, you, you are sitting there. You've done all this research. You're really excited. And you go to the dealership and you find exactly what you want. And, and you know, you just want to pull the trigger. And salespeople can sense that. And, you know, I want you to be excited. But, but first I want you to be inquisitive. I want you to ask a lot of questions. Make them sell you the car. Make them do a good quality product presentation. Say, listen, I'm here to investigate your products. You know, if you're looking at a Kia Telluride, don't just buy one, just go in there and buy one because the uh, your next door neighbor bought one and his neighbor bought one. I mean, I know that's a popular vehicle and people paying 10 grand over a window sticker to get them. But still, I mean, just don't just walk in there and say, well, he bought a Telluride. I want a Telluride. Okay, 10,000 over. Make them sell it to you. I mean, get a full product presentation. The Telluride may not be the vehicle for you. Maybe you need a Toyota Highlander. Um, maybe you need a Ford Explorer, something that actually would meet your needs better. But you need to understand the features and the benefits. And if you tell them on the front end, you know, and I always recommend to people to tell them on the front, end, I'm not buying a car today. And then you'll see this silence. Okay, well, uh, when do you think you'll be in the market? If they say that, then you're at the wrong place. What they should say is just, fine, no problem. What kind of information can I share with you today that will help you make a decision? You know, what would you like to see? Is there any particular model that you would like to check out? Yes, there is. I want to see a Kia Telluride. Well, we don't have any we sold out. Now, you know, let's say they have one. Say, well, I'd like to just look it over. I'd like for you to tell me all about it. Let's just go around the car. I want to see under the hood and under the, you know, the rear hatch. I want to see how the seats work, how the seats fold up and back. You know, these things are like Swiss Army knives. I mean, they're very complex. And if you uh, are having a salesperson, you know, you just don't stand at the car and look at it and then get in and drive it. Because don't you want to see how everything works? How accessible the back is? How easy is it is it to fold down the seats? How much storage does it have? How many cup holders does it have? You know, when this if you're sitting in it, some, some cars don't even have any kind of a shade over the sunroof now. They're just glass. Is that going to get hot? I mean, if I have a bald head, you know, then that, that could get hot. So, you know, all of this stuff, make the salesperson work. You've already told him you're not buying a car today. Now, he knows that you may change your mind, so he's going to work hard for you. And then make sure you go on a thorough test ride Um, because all cars do not drive the same. Just because it's new doesn't mean it's not going to have a lot of tire noise. You know, you get it out on the road and you'll you'll say, man, I'm going to have to turn the radio up. This thing has a lot of road noise. Well, that's just the way Hondas are. And it's true. Hondas have more road noise than just about anything else. I think it's because they use such hard rubber on the tires that they use. And maybe there's just not as much sound deadening stuff. Maybe Honda buyers don't care. But I do. I don't want to drive a car with a lot of road noise. So if you drive it and you can't see out of it, you know, you're trying to park it and say, golly, I cannot see out of this thing. This seat sits too low. This seat sits too high. I can't get in and out of this thing. You know, let's say that you're hauling some some elderly folks around, and they're going to have to be able to get in that car and get out. Have you noticed how how wide it is, how much space there is between the edge of the seat and, you know, the door? Some of them are, I mean, it's quite a stretch. You almost have to pole vault it. That didn't work with my p- aged parents. You know, I had to get something that had a very, that's, that seats were really close to the outside, and that's hard today because of all of the side impact protection. You know, the doors, have you ever noticed how the the doors keep getting taller and the windows keep getting smaller? You know, that's not just a design trend. That's because of federal uh, crash safety and the Insurance Institute of Highway Safety. They have made it such a big deal to get great ca- uh, crash ratings that they've had to make the doors bigger because you can't put an airbag or a steel beam in glass. You can only put that in a door, and so they've made the doors wider with more stuff in it, including airbags, side impact airbags, and 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 the a, the B pillars on cars have gotten really thick. You know, because they want you to be able to survive a, you know, somebody T-bones you. And, you know, that's absolutely very important. So all of these things are, are features of the cars. You know, nobody ever looks under the hood anymore. I mean, why look under the hood? Do you ever check your own oil or, you know, add windshield washer solvent or anything like that? Do you always rely on somebody else to do that? You know, if you, if your husband does it and you don't care, then you don't need to look under the hood. But you need to know how it accelerates. How does it feel when it shifts? You know, when these when the air conditioning's on, do the vents, you know, like I was driving a vehicle the other day that the, I couldn't get the air off of me. You know, even when I put it at my feet, it was still some, it was coming from one of the vents and I couldn't get it to stop. And that would be very irritating. Wouldn't you want to know that before you spent 50 grand on a car? I would. And then if the salesperson, you know, at the end of the conversation, he said, well, would you like to see some numbers on this car? Well, no, not at this time. I know what the MSRP is, and uh, we're just going to go and work on our budget a little bit. So it gives you time to percolate. You know, it gives you time to just go home and and talk about the the things that you like, the things that you didn't like. It lets you decide, well, maybe we should go look at a Toyota, or maybe we should go to the Chevy store and check out a Venture, or not a Venture. What is that? What is that Oh, the Blazer, you know, the Blazer SUV. I remember the old Blazers. That new Blazer shouldn't be called a Blazer. Now, the Bronco, that was a pr- appropriate name because the Bronco is all boxy and everything, but that new Blazer. But anyway, this is what people go through when they're buying cars. And you bought cars before. And I'd like to know how what percent of people buy cars the, the first time they walk in and uh, they end up making a decision to buy the car and how often they regret it the day after there's a lot of things you can regret the day after but when you've signed a contract and you've driven home in the car there is no 3-day right of rescission you know like a lot of people think there is there is on a mortgage you know when you buy a house but there is no 3-day right of rescission on a car purchase you can't take you can't buy it on Saturday and take it back on Monday and expect them to take it back now I have taken many back um over the years and most of them I really didn't want to And about half the time, people would turn around and buy something from me. But a lot of people just go out. Can you imagine buying a car and making that big of a decision? And by Monday, you've changed your mind? You shouldn't have been there anyway. You shouldn't have got that far. So I'll take my last break. Be back here in just a minute. Okay, so you have decided not to buy the car today. What happens next? Well, a lot of dealerships, you're going to get TO'd. That stands for turned over. And that's when that real friendly manager shows up. And he may, I mean, that's okay, folks. I mean, his job is to make sure that his salespeople are doing their job. They don't like to see people walk out unless they're sure that they have all the information that they need to make a good decision. Now, the average salesperson, the average manager, knows that the the average customer traditionally is going to shop at multiple different dealerships. Now they do it on the computer most of the time, and usually when somebody comes in to buy a car, they've already decided, and maybe they've even interacted with the Internet Department, and they're just coming in to kind of finalize things, and that's a different scenario. You know, if you've done the work and done the research, but still – if you haven't driven the car and experienced it and actually let them do a, a really thorough, we call that a walk-around, a thorough walk-around demonstration of the car, you know, you might change your mind. And wouldn't you rather do that uh, before you sign the paperwork and go through all the negotiation process? Make sure it's the right car for you first and then do the not uh, Do not... Tell tell them that you know what what kind of payment range you're looking for. That is the the, that is the number one giveaway to an unscrupulous salesperson is to tell him how much pay, you know what kind of monthly payment you're looking for. If they ask that question, just look at them real sternly and say, "That's really not important at this time. I just want to drive the car. Let's not go there. That'll get his attention. He might T.O. you to a manager, and a manager." You know, mate, if he tries to push too hard, try to get you to, you know, get some – at least, folks, you can look at some numbers. Well, if you're up to that point, you feel comfortable, fine, but that's when the pressure – that's when the heat's going to come. You know, when they finally throw numbers in front of you and you're you're looking at your wife and you're going back and forth, um, start squirming in the seat and you start thinking about, boy, that thing is going to look nice in our driveway. You know, you've gone too far and uh, you end up making a decision. You know, will that car be there tomorrow? Probably. Will it be there next week? Yeah, well, maybe not, but if they can always get you another one. So just don't let the pressure get to you, okay? All right, well, thanks for listening to this edition of My Car Guru. Again, if you need me for any reason, send me a text to 423-552-2020, or you send me an email to Lawson 2020 at gmail.com. And I spell my name L-E-N-N-I-E. All right, well, thanks for, again for listening, and we'll see you next time.